listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 498. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we conclude our journey with the Netflix series 1899. And, you know, it's funny... A lot of times shows like this, we get to the season finale and you almost know it's going to be a long discussion. I'm not so sure about that tonight. And, you know, we'll get into the various reasons why I don't think that's the case for a while. But uh, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it, too. Uh, And it, you know, I, I don't know if it's as emotionally wrenching as the last episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which for me will always go down as, well, yeah, as probably the most, I can't wait for next season only to have uh, Fox kick me in the nuts the next week. So not when, not the next week, whenever, you know, later. So yeah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles season two uh, season finale, which ends up being the series finale, is you know was just kind of the epitome of you know a show that was going to launch off in a completely new direction, only then to be cut down, and and that's obviously what we have uh, going on at, in this one as well. I mentioned last time, if not last time, the time before, about a new European streaming service that had acquired a number of international HBO Max products including be foreigners and and i couldn't remember the name it's sky showtime apparently all one word and it is a streaming service it doesn't look like it's going to be available in the u.s at least initially i i doubt it's going to be available in the u.s anyway but you never know it is associated with the showtime that we you know, know in the states and and i guess also around the world so if you know if you're in europe you might want to check that out they've got a list of which countries you know will be able to access it initially still no word whether be foreigners is going to get a third season but at least it will be available so uh anyway so that's certainly okay. good yeah again right, no like we're just talking about how you know how some shows that's almost like a bonus now that if even if your show gets canceled, at least it's still available for someone to watch. Whereas nowadays when they cut a show, they just burn it to the ground. So, all right, what I'm watching this week, uh, my wife and I checked out this French crime drama called Emma. And you know, the description caught my attention immediately. And you know how, when you go to now this one's on prime video and was that about the uh, the young girl in 19th century english countryside and dealing with her family and stuff it it was not 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 even close (laughs) um and and i made sure my wife didn't see the description because it was pretty much of a spoiler so i I wanted her to you know not know although she guessed about 10 minutes into the first episode the downside is this was a pretty good show and there are only two episodes so that apparently and and information is just very difficult to impossible to find to what happened i guess french tv put it on the air to see how it would play and i guess it didn't play well enough because it didn't get any more episodes but the idea here is that a grizzled veteran police detective 
is paired with an extremely attractive young female detective fresh out of the police academy, and she turns out to be an AI. Oh. Now, the police, the police department knows that, but they don't tell him. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. So, yeah. France, so what the hell? I know. So it was really good. Uh, I'm, you know, we watched the first one, even though we knew that was going to be it. Okay. So what is, what is this? Is this on Netflix? It is on Prime Video. Wow. They have the French series, just two episodes. Yep. It's called Emma. Okay. So we watched that. My wife had never seen humans, even though I've been talking it up for several years. I mentioned to her, you know, I really want to do a rewatch. And this is my, this is basically how I approach things with my wife now. I'm <laughs> like, look, look, just watch the first episode. Right. If you're not into it, then I'm going to do the rewatch on my own. No harm, no foul. And I generally know the shows that she's going to really like, and she she loves it. So yeah, you like it's awesome. It's great, right? So we're halfway through season two. She loved Better Than Us. I don't know if you ever saw sure, that yeah, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we talked about that. So you know, really digging that. We'll probably finish season two tonight. And as I'm sure you know, and probably a lot of the listeners know, that Humans is based on the Swedish series Real Humans which is really difficult to find. So I would just like to see an episode or two just to see how it compares. Mm -hmm. But um, I always test my wife's cultural literacy. Uh, you know, in season two, a character uh, shows up who's also in Jessica Jones, Carrie Ann Moss, says to my wife, all right, what <laughs> famous sci-fi trilogy is she known for? And really? Yeah, wow, but in on, my wife's Mary. defense, once I mentioned Matrix, I said, all right, well, who was her basic co-star? She got that right oh, away. Well, okay, so, well, there you go. Yeah. Anyway. You, got, you should right. have gone in with Keanu first. I know, I know. So, uh, all right, what are you watching? Well, nothing new, really, because uh, I spent the better part of the past week in Florida uh, uh, watching my daughters play field hockey, um, which was uh, – a hour, like two hour, hour and 50 minute flight for those of you in, in Europe uh, who would uh, want to know about relative distances. It probably would have been like about a, a 13, 14 hour drive had we driven. But uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> so really didn't get the chance to watch anything, but I am almost at the end of Ashes to Ashes, which <clears throat> I'm really disappointed that I'm almost at the end because I really, really like that show. And, you know, I wish it was uh, – it's definitely a show that I wish I had on DVD so I could rewatch it, you know, because, you know, I am actually now springing for the seven ninety nine for the, a month of BritBox so I can finish this thing off. Uh, I couldn't get all the episodes in in my extended two-week uh, free trial with BritBox, so uh, I had to spring for the month. I'm not going to have, you know, probably in that month, I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch all over again, but it'd be nice if it were on DVD, I could get it, but alas. So, uh, you know, maybe if I check out the dark web, um, you know, maybe someone will, I'll be able to get it somewhere. Someone somewhere has got to be able to hook me up on this, but, uh, you know, just an awesome show. And, you know, it's so funny that we're, I'm watching that at the same time we're watching 1899 because so much of Ashes to Ashes, just like Life on Mars, uh, both the American and British versions, deals with, like, what is real, 
right? Because these people, uh, like the character is a person who was uh, living in 2008 and got shot and ends up in 1982. And she's aware that she's supposed to be in 2008 and, and that she is, this is not her world and that is probably not even real. Uh, in fact, the, the, for the first episode, when she says, because she knows she's familiar with all the people because they were the same characters she had read about uh, from from Life on Mars. So whenever she says their name, she does it with like air quotes uh, each time, which is hilarious. But yet, ultimately, she accepts like that this is, in, at least in some ways, is real. And when, you know, she she can't bring herself to like, not care if people live or die, just think, well, this is just a figment of my imagination anyway, so what do I care? She still cares that if people live or die. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, brings up a lot of those questions that we're going to talk about today with 1899. The other show, which I know I've talked about before, but is The Legend of Vox Machina, which is a uh, anime, um, adult anime, I would say, uh, on Prime Video season two just came out like, I guess like a week ago, maybe a little bit more than a week ago and just like really, really entertaining, great, hilarious, very, very funny, uh, great characters that uh, you really care about and everything. And I'm not an anime guy. Uh, my kids are, uh, they, uh, especially my sons, they absolutely love anime. Uh, so I pretty much started watching this to try and get some street cred uh, with my own children but, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. But I'm almost, again, once again, I have just one episode left, and then I'll be back where I was a little bit ago with, you know, having to wait uh, for a new season. But uh, highly recommended, though. All right. Well, let's see how much we actually do have to talk about with 1899. Episode 8, titled The Key, written by Yante Frisia, directed by Baron Bo Odar, released on November 17th, 2022. And, you know, you you talking about the idea of reality in Ashes to Ashes and what's real. And even if the the character decides it's not real, it's still real, if that makes any sense. And I guess one of the things we have to decide here with 1899 is whether or not we're satisfied with this as a series conclusion. I mean, we have to be. We yeah. don't have any choice. But well, you know, hope springs eternal, I guess they say, you know. But, well, uh, right. But let's assume this is all we get. I mean, yes. we're left to draw conclusions based on incomplete information, or are we? So, I, I mean, I'm okay with this as a series finale. Now, somebody might say, well, Dave, you have to be okay right. with it. Well, not really. Neither of us is okay with the series finale of Sarah Connor Chronicles. Definitely not as previously stated. So no, we don't have to be, but I think this can function. Now that said, I don't know whether we can come to any hard and fast conclusions about what is really going on here. I mean, it does seem as if the simulation is taking place aboard the spaceship Prometheus and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're like me. I'm jotting down, okay, what's the purpose of this mission? What's the purpose of the sim? You know, well, what, what circumstances prompted the mission? Did we, you know, deplete the resources on Earth and now we're – or is this just another sim? Right. Which, 
may in fact be the best answer of all the possibilities. Well, I, I think if we, you know, having to accept it as the series finale, I'm going to go with this is the real world and she's back in the real world and she's going to wake everybody up and everyone's going to be happy and, and everything's going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> now, now, of course, that begs the question, why this particular simulation, 1899, aboard uh, a steamship taking right. passengers from yeah, that's weird, Europe, right? all facing levels of trauma of their own. So is it, you know, did the people that volunteered for this space mission, if, you know, that's in fact what it is, you know, did they volunteer for this because what they had back on earth was just too painful and they needed to get away. And this was an opportunity to start over. Right. Which is like, as we noted from, the first episode kind of like the recurring theme here, right? That everyone's trying to get away from whatever, you know, th- whatever vaguely they are feel they need to get away from. Like no one has a really solid idea of what it was. Well, you know, I mean, we see some of it in their, in their dreams, but you know, we never really get like, for example, like, you know, on hell and Ramiro, you know, I mean, sure. They tell us that Ramiro killed a priest, but and we assume, you know, obviously that's something they're going to run from or want to run from. Again, that's they're 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 in the sim. They're they think they're in 1899. You know, they think they're what you know two two hundred years, two hundred yeah, years right. in the past. Tove, uh, you know the the, the that very traumatic uh, rape that she has to endure, and then you know she kills her her attacker was did that actually happen because that also happened in that dream world is not the future right it's not 2099 it's definitely back in the 19th century did that actually happen or i don't know there's just so many questions well right and when we get that final scene uh, you know on board the ship and we certainly are familiar with the idea of stasis as a methodology for allowing humans to travel into deep space, even though it's not actually a thing yet, they, they certainly are, you know, studying because you know, we just know that if that if humans are to travel into deep space, unless it's going to be one of these gigantic ships that basically are generational and that people live, die, and are born aboard a ship and that the you know the group of people that finally arrive at the destination you know you know maybe never even knew their great-grandparents i mean unless it's something like that we can identify some of the people that are still in their pods some of them was a little difficult for me to dude i i I watched that so many times (laughs) I, i mean ike ike is easy yeah uh, Ling Yi is easy. Ling Yi and Ling her Yi's mom. M- right, yeah. right. Um, but beyond that, I think I spotted Daniel. No, Daniel is not one of them, no? apparently. And okay. that, I, I read that. I, I, I couldn't see. Um, okay. but, but regardless, I think we can assume that the core group that we've been dealing with over the past few episodes are the people that are on you know, are in the pods. So, you know, the, 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 the individuals we've come to know and the pain that 
uh, you know, we've come to learn that they've endured, you know, it just kind of makes sense that, that they would be, you know, in those pods. And, and the fact that we don't get a clear identification is fine with me. I mean, the fact that we see Ike, Lingy, and her mother, that's enough. We get the idea. At, le- at least I, for me, that was fine. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, the question is also like why these people, we see there's 500 crew members, right? So why is it just this group of like one, two, like 15 people? Because one of them, the pods is empty. Like it looks well, like that's true. not Morris, right? Like one of the other pods is empty. Okay. So then somebody's already up and about, right. I guess we would have to say. Now, I guess I would, you know, look at those numbers that you just bring up. Is that part of the simulation or is that reality? You know, I mean, obviously this is a huge ship, so it's certainly within the realm of possibility that there are 1,500 people in stasis elsewhere on the ship and the same of the 500 crew. But then I guess I would argue, well, why do you need 500 crew if everybody's in stasis? So once you arrive at your destination, now, once they maybe get like a year or two out from their destination, will the crew wake up and have to do certain functions? I guess that's a possibility. So, you know, there is that. But, you know, that whole computer screen there at the end where it it tells us, is it Prometheus Project or Project Prometheus? I forget. I can't. Uh, I feel like maybe Project Prometheus, but I'm not sure. And we get the date of 2099, and we get those coordinates, dude. Yeah. So yeah, I I punched those coordinates in, and it- Google Maps is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Google Maps is nice, yes. (laughs) Um, And it, it pretty much pops them in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It looks ab- about, I assume, where they would be if they were actually on the, you know, bat- where they, their ships were. Right. Sure. If they were sailing from England right. to America. So, you know, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that means. That To me, actually, and now that you mentioned the computer screen, I'm thinking that this is another simulation. It's just another level of simulation that the the space is not reality and i say that because you know the computer screen would have maybe been pretty high tech in like 1982 yes but certainly not in 2099 not by a long shot i mean it's ancient for you know 2023 so just that we mentioned before you know in the 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 disconnect of the the kind of tech that they had um, what tech was there on the the original ship, the Prometheus and the Kerberos? Um, that would that alone would lead me to kind of say that this is another simulation. On top of the the coordinates putting them, you know, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, where the ship would have or would have are I don't even know what verbs to use here. Well, the other question I guess I have if. I agree with you, which I'm, you know, inclined to do. Is this next simulation going to be our same characters confronting their same traumas, but in a completely different setting? Right. And if that's in fact the case, well, why? 
I mean, is the idea that these people are going to face these traumas for literally hundreds of years? I mean, I again, we don't know how far out into space they're supposed to be going if, in fact, this is reality at the end, like you, you mentioned at the top of the discussion. So I, I, I don't know what the purpose of another simulation would actually be in this case. Well, I don't know what the purpose of the original simulation is. Like we, you well, know, well, we really only get Henry's story as far as this whole thing. You know, he says that Mora created this and that this is all hers. She's just doing this to try and keep her son alive. Well, yeah, but that's, that's only the one side of the story. She doesn't know the other side of the story because she's, she can't remember it. Well, right. And, and that whole idea about her brother, is her brother this nefarious puppet master or is he simply like in mission control back on Earth? Right. So we don't necessarily know. But the other thing that I guess we have to consider, and this is what I meant when I said I didn't know how long our discussion was going to be because how important are some of these details to even worry about discussing if we know they're not really even real. Well, yeah. Well, that, and and also to all these details that, because like, there's people like, oh, well, you know, I'll admit because I did, I I was trying to find out who exactly were all the people in the pods. Because I watched it a couple times and I I paused it and it was, for some people, it was very easy to pick out who they were. For most of them, it was impossible to tell um, one person from another, uh, even some whether it was a male or female. So I I did try to scope around and just to try and find out, you know, who actually was was in there. So I I, I actually you know what I just completely lost my train of thought. I had no idea. When I started this, what I was going to say. Well, well, speaking of losing things, I mean, we talked about the trauma that these people are all confronting in this 1899 simulation. Based on what we have, it does seem as if the evidence, and I'm making air quotes, is pointing in the direction that Mara did lose her son, that Daniel is her husband, and that you know that that whole idea that her son is trapped in here makes sense if we look at it that well this is the only way he remains alive to her is if he is trapped in this simulation so if if she and daniel want to have any kind of a relationship with elliot then this is the only way well here's my other problem though because now I'm trying to, to think. I, I know Daniel remembered having sex with her. Does uh, did you remember? Does she remember that? I I don't. I can't remember because you know he tells her that hey I'm your husband and look there's these pictures that could just have easily been photoshopped. In fact, looked like they're blatantly photoshopped. She she has no feelings towards him at all. Like she doesn't remember them being married or a couple she doesn't seem to have a a kind of natural attraction to him whereas with ike yeah she's like all over my man ike you know so that's why i 
I feel like you know if this show were to to, to continue, I think we would probably find out that Daniel is definitely not her husband at all. Maybe just some weird creepo who you know dreams about having sex with her, and so he he's created this whole thing. Maybe he's her brother. I know that's a little sick. I'm sorry. The thought just came to my head. But, you know, it could be. I doubt it, though. Well, see, I I think he is her husband. I I just think, again, I mean, if we accept that some of this is reality, that the trauma of losing her son just was devastating, so devastating, in fact, that she may have been hospitalized that that there may have been injections of some sort i mean all the injections we see her getting are at the hands of her father who we certainly see as the bad guy in all of this but we get to the end and while he's still unlikable there's no question i'm not sure how much culpability we really should be assigning to him for but but like i said before we're just getting like he's the one who's saying true all, you know, like she doesn't remember, like he puts some crazy, you know, does the injection to Elliot to get him to remember. But really, like, is could he not be just, you know, downloading a memory into his brain, you know, because he's in control of this? Uh, maybe he is her brother, not her dad. You know, maybe he, Henry, is Kieran. You know, I don't know. Because I just like even listening to him has like all the elements of a gaslighting to me, you know, like uh, that this guy is just telling her, no, no, what you think is real is not real. Here's what's really real. Let me tell you what reality is. And like, I'm like, you know, they're, they're, they totally have to take his word for it. And she doesn't accept that. Right. She's like, no, that's not right. Like she doesn't, she feels deep down inside of her that that is an incorrect assessment of, of of what things are going on so but we we just don't know it but it just all ties into this what is real what is reality at what point do we say all right this is real you know it's like so many so many of my favorite tv shows and movies deal with this I, you know i talked about ashes to ashes and life on mars and uh, inception is like one of my absolute favorite movies and certainly that is a big part of, of, of that movie as well so you know what? What is reality? Because when it comes down to it, what we realities are perceptions, right? Like what we see and and smell and taste and hear, and and those perceptions are extremely limited. Well, uh, Plato's cave allegory comes up again in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean certainly that opening scene with Mar and Elliot in the field, and and she says sometimes we have to let things go because we can't keep them forever. And I think we get to the end of the episode and we're realizing the irony of that statement. If it's true. And I agree with what you're saying. You know, we only have essentially, well, we have two sides of the story. I mean, we have Daniel's and we have Henry's. We just don't have Mara's and we don't know which of Daniel and Henry is telling the truth. If either of them is, but if in fact that this is all about her coping with the death of her son who she was unable to let go of then you know of course right from the start you know th- this uh, 
piece of dialogue is so meaningful. And, and, and again, big surprise coming on the heels of Dark, where uh, I'm sure you were like me. It, it seemed like you were taking notes for virtually every line. Yeah. I mean, it, it just never stopped, right. which made right. dark. Especially when so we did much... the rewatch. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and then I love, you know, that that response he gives her, don't be silly, I'll live with you and daddy forever. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, Right, well, <laughs> and that is uh, uh, obviously extremely meaningful and poignant. And when you, you know, go back the, the second time watching it, it means even more, right, when we at least hear Henry's version of, of what is going on with Elliot. But again, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, well, it's, it's, as you well, said, I mean, Henry, in the end, we'll never, we're never going to know. So, well, right. I mean, Henry tells Elliot, they came on this trip because they had made the choice to forget their past, which then for me plays into that idea that everybody that's on the spaceship, if we accept that that's the reality they did so knowing they would have time to confront and come to terms with whatever their traumatic pain yeah, okay. ha- has been. And, you know, that might have been the selling point for whatever agency is funding this mission that, you know, maybe they looked for people like that or, or that they advertised. I don't know. I mean, we don't know. I mean, like you said, on the one hand, that computer screen seems very crude given what it should be. I, I just can't buy that in 2099. Right, sure. The, there's still, you know, the equivalent of the, the Apple 2C com, you know, monitor in a uh, spaceship that's taking people like, out into space maybe to a different planet and everything so um so yeah i I definitely got to go with despite like when i I said earlier that i I have to accept that this is real i only said that because i know we're never going to be able to find out anything beyond what what's here you know maybe they can make a graphic novel out of it that would be well you know and i wish i'd remembered i i came across it in my twitter feed and it wasn't uh uh john god i can't think of his name that was uh oh god one of the shows that we like but but apparently there was a show that got canceled early and the showrunner made some sort of a you know it's like if if we get enough donations to this charity i'll release this number of pages of the script from what would have been the finale you know Uh something like that would be awesome i i you know, hopefully Yante Frisia and Baron Bodar will be knee deep in their next project. But uh, well, I think yeah, the next well, project like, should be because see that way they'll like backdoor it onto television again because they make a graphic novel and everyone yeah. loves graphic novels and television companies love buying graphic novels. So they turn season two and three into a graphic novel and then Netflix buys the rights to the graphic novel and boom, we're back in business, baby. There you go. All right. Um, now we get that great scene. You know, Ike climbs out of the the ocean. You know, into that you know area of the ship that we've seen a number of times, and, and we get that scene. You know, in in my notes, I was like, "What the heck is all going on with the relationship between Ike and Mara?" You know, as you said, she doesn't have any chemistry with Daniel, but tons with with Ike. Right. But then all of them 
produce their envelope. And she's like, this isn't real. It's a simulation. We're all here for a reason. Now, again, at the risk of pissing you off, (laughs) it sounds like another show that takes place on an island. Right. And we'll just leave it at that. You know, so... um, Again, I think that again plays into that idea that they're here. I, I sound like a broken record that that to to deal with something, and it doesn't answer the purpose of the simulations. I mean, is that just simply to occupy their minds? Which I guess is a possibility. I, I guess if you you know, do you want your brain basically not operating for? Uh, you know, we're talking decades, depending on how deep into space they're right. planning to go. So is it simply to you know, stimulate the brain? I mean, maybe. Well, yeah. You know, I, I would say most likely because I assume your brain would still need stimulating. I don't know. But Henry tells uh, Mara and uh, Elliot and everyone, basically, that this whole thing was built just so she can keep Elliot quote unquote alive but you're right like then why do they need like almost 2,000 people to to keep this kid alive and and what's you know what's that deal with that I know that apparently as um as Daniel says that Kieran has now taken over the project and so now maybe what their initial intention was with this has been now we are far beyond that you know but it, it just like i said it just all kind of goes back to like w- what is reality and who can we believe in and everything because pretty much everything that we well i don't think even at the beginning it was tough to accept the stuff that was happening is real right and it just at first it seems just weird and sci-fi but then we realize, okay, now just, this isn't actual reality. This is some kind of simulation. We figured that out pretty early on. You know, every, everything that's happening here and everything that we're told as to what's happening and to what the reality is of it, to what degree can we actually accept what we're being told there? Well, I mean, that's true. Uh, you know, you mentioned how early on, I mean, we talked about it possibly being a video game. And, and, and you know, I don't think we were too far off. Uh, from that, I think we even mentioned simulations, and once we saw the portals in the floors and you know where they would lead, then I, I think that that let us know we better start trying to figure out what's real and what's not. But what if, and this just occurred to me, what if Mara really did lose her son Elliot? The the trauma of that event was just so severe that that forced her husband and father to hospitalize her let's say her father is you know this uh elon musk rich dude that decides hey let me uh go into the uh, space program i got enough money what could i call it Mm, space z space y (laughs) um you know and and maybe it's something i don't want to say as simple as that but that the whole purpose of this voyage was to do that. Now you might say, well, yeah, that's kind of, that's going to a lot of trouble. (laughs) 
just to help one individual get over her trauma. But like you said a minute ago, and we knew this going in, we're we're never going to have concrete answers. So we can just throw out. Yeah, that's the beauty of this particular podcast episode, Dave. We can say whatever the heck we want, and uh, we don't even have to justify or prove it later. We can just just throw out crazy theories. We see Daniel... And he's working feverishly to do something. I mean, he, he finally gets that panel to work and this really cool looking glass cylinder yeah. drops down and he just reaches in, unhooks a cable, puts it into his little handheld device and he's off to the races. It does seem, again, if we you know, believe what Henry says, is that he's rewriting the code. So what that actually means so did he rewrite it from a voyage in 1899 to a spaceship i mean was he able to do it that detailed i doubt i I doubt that i think he was just able to change like little things like the key right like he yeah made it so that that black thing uh pyramid was no longer the key and now it was this you know kids toy kind of rubik's pyramid thing and you know now the key is her uh her wedding ring and not the little key from before so um. now are all these people connected N- not only um you know as a group but are they neurologically connected somehow i wonder you know is, is this you know are they all like in this simulation you know hardwired or right. I guess right. the technology could be wireless. Well, it should be. At that yeah. Point. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, again, the, the, the I, I then refer to the, the monitor in the spaceship, but, um, but yeah, you know, that, that goes back to the, the line that um, Maura had to Ike, you know, basically. So if we're both dreaming, whose dream are we in? Like, am I the dreamer? Are you the dreamer? You know, like that just, you know, again, it just trips me out so much. This whole, idea of, of of what is actually real and everything so this, this, i know we've mentioned this before on, on on this show but i just want to point out again that neil degrasse tyson who the last time i checked is one smart individual he is a freaking genius um he has said on a number of occasions that it's probably he's probably like about 50 percent that we are actually our existence is some kind of computer simulation Fifty percent. I mean, that like just you know yeah. blows my oh, yeah. mind because like if it were, then we would have absolutely no idea. And honestly, a lot of things like about this world seem to could only have been you know done in a computer program. You know, there's the I, I don't know. I, I know that I'm sounding like intelligent design. All the atheists out there are probably throwing their hats at me right now and everything. But you know, I'm just saying that we have no idea. Because we are so limited in, in what we can perceive, and and uh, there, there's so much that could be going on, we we absolutely have no idea. If you tell me the universe was created by a super big explosion, but I'm like, then what was before, and how, why did that super big explosion happen? And just all these questions that like we just can't answer right like uh, we we have no idea we we accept the reality that we're given 
Right. We, we I mean, Harry even says for us, and I believe that's from the Matrix and everything. And, and uh, you know, and that's that's it. And that's what we're we're limited to. So, you know, who like that's the, what this show, the you know, a show like eighteen ninety nine, just kind of gets that those mental juices in me flowing again. Like to think about, man, like we really just don't, we just don't know. Well, I mean, and you know that that whole idea. I think this is you know where you were. I don't know if you were headed there, but but certainly you. you I honestly don't know where I was headed. Dave. Well, I just start, like, half you the know, time I just start talking and hope I figure it out by the time uh, you if, cut in. Well, with uh, over five hundred podcasts, dude, how many times have we been there? Yeah, um, uh, so hundred or so. Yeah. So if God created the universe, who created God? Right. And on and on and on. So, yeah, I mean, it's just mind blowing. And, and, you know, like you said, we don't really know. The other thing with, you know, Daniel and Mara, you know, is that we, uh, you know, we see her when she wakes, you know, on the ship and she's wearing that black outfit that we saw her in earlier. And we didn't really have an understanding of where it came from. And, and of course, Daniel's wearing one as well. Um, and, and, and I guess that's why I thought one of those individuals might've been Daniel because having seen him in that, that outfit as well. But you know, when he tells her that he stopped it, it worked, it didn't start all over again. Well, what exactly are you talking about? Right. Oh, I mean, oh, oh. Well, just, cause that, that reminds me. So I meant to say early, like, so all these times when, when people are like in their dreams, right. And they're like. Saying something along the lines of, oh, why do I have to go through this again or something like that? And we just assumed that what they meant was, why do I have to relive this traumatic memory from my past? But in in reality, it could be just like, you know, they've been through this simulation, like, what, I think eight times they said they ran or something like that? So, you know, this is like the, however many, like the seventh or eighth time that they've, or the eighth, I'm sorry, I guess the eighth time that they've had to live through this memory, whether it's an actual memory of theirs or not, we don't know. But, and even if they are like, quote unquote, reset, do they not maintain some kind of residual memory of, of this trauma that isn't necessarily something they've actually experienced, but something that, like you said, like maybe it's just for their brain to play with while they're in cryogenic sleep. Right. And when we see the archive and how many ships are in the archive, I mean, now you mentioned this is the eighth time, but I, I don't know how we explain. I, I forget who says that, but I don't know how we explain how many ships are out in that archive. Oh, you know what? I looks, said eight, but I think that's because the simulation lasts eight days. Oh, right. I think right, that's where okay. I got that number from. So. Okay. So we don't know. I mean, it looked literally hundreds of ships out in the archive. So I don't know. Um, you know, the other thing. You know, with the characters Ling Yi, Romero, Tove, Wilson, Jerome, and Clemence, you know, we see and we, we talked about the pairings last time, and they're searching for a way off the ship. And I love it. It's Ling Yi. It's like, I'm getting off this damn ship. And, and again, you know, Mrs. Wilson can understand Ling Yi. Right. Jerome and Clemence can understand each other. Yes. It, it sounds like Clemence also speaks English, yes. but. Tove and Romero totally shut out. Yes. And, and it just really comes out, you know, 
you know, what that must be like. Right. Right. Well, in, we, we don't know because whenever someone speaks, like everyone just kind of looks at him like, okay. And it's like, I, you, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> like when Tove is like, I, I want to get off this ship. Everyone's just like, all right, uh, the bathroom's down the hall or something, you know, like, <laughs> right. um, because yeah, like for those two characters, those are the only two that are completely unable to communicate via language with anyone else. Right. Now, I don't know what that means in the broad scope of things, but there it is. Yeah, well, when they when they make the graphic novel, we'll find out. Yeah, right. Now, um, the Black Crystals are, are getting in their way, and I'll, I'm assuming at this point that the Black Crystals are some sort of a computer virus that is spreading throughout the simulation. Or just the, uh, the, the deterioration of this simulation, because they're, okay. they're shutting it down, right? So... Okay, uh, but but either way, I think it's you know Apple, you know six of one, half dozen the other. I mean, just it's all the right. same. That it's something very dangerous. They're trying to run away from. It. Ultimately, they can't. Right, and and the doors are disappearing, and suddenly they see openings with with daylight, literally. And what was so fascinating is that you know Wilson and Tove find themselves in the French Foreign Legion outpost. Right. Ling Yi and Romero end up by that 19th century well that, you know, we saw earlier. So, I, you know, and, and in fact, they they hear something in the well and it turns out to be May May in the box. And I'm not sure what prompted him to just, I guess, lose control of the rope and poor May May goes back down to the well, bottom of the well. Well, because they pulled this thing out of the well and someone's singing out of it. It's just like yeah, that. Right. I probably would have dropped it too. Yeah, We get to the end and-, and I, I just wanted know, one important yeah. note that all of those things, because like Olek just rips open the side of the, the world and climbs through a hole and uh, Ramiro and you know goes down into the well- and I just think we have these like vagina images all over the place. I, 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 and I'm saying that not really sarcastically or trying to be funny because I think that's, that's actually even from the, the, the poster, as I noted before we even started talking about this, the, the, the art for the show before it even started with the, uh, a big long tube of a ship going into a uh, triangle in the ocean. I mean, I, I think that, that this, what, this idea of motherhood is central to this whole thing. I, you know, if they were allowed to, and uh, clearly now from what we've found out, but uh, I think they just keep throwing in the, the these images of, of these, of, of femininity and uh, female genitalia and sexuality and everything to remind us of that at the center of the story, it's about a mother and her child. Well, you know, we, we mentioned the coordinates that, we see on the computer screen at the end and that if you plug it into Google maps, it's in the middle of the Atlantic ocean and early in the season, I don't, it might've even been the first episode and it was probably Ike talking about the fact that we don't really have any idea what's at the bottom of the ocean. Right. So, you know, that image that, you know, you mentioned, uh, I mean, in subsequent seasons, would we actually see that there is something at the bottom of the ocean, you know, a.k.a. Atlantis or some Atlantis 
type situation or something even cooler than that if that's possible the other one i i forgot about uh clements and jerome find themselves in ling yi's past yes. they hear lucien calling for help right. and you know we talk about well what's the deal with mara and ike well what's the deal with clements and jerome they seem to just immediately bond and have you know this you know emotional connection and it's more than just that they're French and that they speak the same language. It's something far deeper than that. So, you well, know, everyone, other country besides the French would say probably not, but you know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, then we get the, the, the final six, they're back on the ship. Uh, the, the, it's bathed in this orange light. This can't be real. And then, uh, you know, we hear that voice, the simulation has been corrupted and will be deleted. So I don't know. Well, yeah, that's all I got. I don't even know where else to go. We could keep going. And the only thing is, um, you know, Henry's line about, you know, comparing his two children to one, you know, one's an avoider and one is a seeker. Right. Right. And sure. to be an avoider is pure bliss to be a seeker. On the other hand, brings nothing but pain. And, you know, clearly uh, he characterizes Kieran as the avoider and Mara as the, the seeker. But again, you know, well, and, and we see that, you know, her seeking, uh, you know, in, in what we assume to be actually reality ish, where she is, you know, trying to come up with a way to preserve her son's consciousness at the very least, um, that has she caused innumerable amounts of, of pain because of her, blind pursuit of 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 this uh technological or, or this medical or this psychological advancement i just want to say that um you know one thing that maybe did not make me feel warm and fuzzy about this show was uh the scene where mara is about to stick her son and he's just screaming and saying mom don't and everything that was pretty impossible for me to watch. I didn't like it one bit. As well, at least she didn't say this isn't going to hurt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Captain Obvious Award goes to Henry for saying he changed the code, at which point I'm like, no shit he changed the code. You were watching him do it on your little television screen there, bro. So it also the, 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 so the, the ring, she, you know, she gets the wedding ring or I guess he gives her right the wedding ring back, but she doesn't put it on. And then I think finally, like midway through this episode, she puts on. And then when she wakes up in the, uh, in the spaceship, the ring is on her finger as well. So again, um, more of a suggestion of that, this relationship that they share, that he is telling more that they share is maybe not necessarily so. Yeah, oh, and, and you know, Daniel tells her that when she wakes up, he'll be there when she does. So, you know, maybe that that missing pod is Daniel. You know, and that would also explain why he's able to kind of roam around inside the uh, the simulation and and knows what is outside the simulation. I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm good. All right, well, let's get to listener feedback, and we heard from Suzanne again, and she says. 
You guys have become such a fun part of my Friday morning routine, and I have a lot of thoughts I want to get out. It's a pity I'm not on Facebook. Fred seems to post interesting stuff there, but who knows? Maybe your pod will achieve what my friends haven't in years, and I'll join someday. (laughs) Or in a year from now, I'll become Fred 2.0 and bless you with my lovely German accent. It was weird last time to hear my words read out loud on the pod, but now I'm aware you might do it again. I'll try not to offend any neighboring country. Yeah, because we never do that. I found it funny how Fred and you followed up on the whole Dutch versus German houses thing. But speaking of cultural differences, I'm so interested in what is different in the U.S. where I've never been compared to Europe. I really like those pieces in your episode, this time with the perspective on traveling. Very interesting indeed. So one thing I've discovered, the huge difference between the states and Europe is that uh, Coca-Cola is infinitely better over here than it is in Europe, as is McDonald's. Um, outside of that was, you know, a lot of the same stuff. And I will just say, uh, Suzanne, about the Facebook, I was off Facebook forever. I mean, I was never on Facebook. And the only reason I joined Facebook was because of the podcast. And, and now you're just you a know, little Facebook junkie. Well, not really. Yeah, I mean, I you know, know I, I, well, well, I don't post anything personal. So you're not going to like see photos right. of my family or anything like that. So anything I post is, you know, related to sports, not even politics. Uh, that's what I do on Twitter, <laughs> um, you know, and, and stuff related to the podcast. Uh, certainly what I really find it useful is, as you know, is the Facebook messenger. Yeah. Um, it's just so much easier than emailing somebody. And, you know, for, as someone that's telephone averse, um, it's just perfect. So, Right. And when you Facebook message me, like your face pops up on my phone. So I have to either address, uh, you know, respond to you right away. Or that is like hovering over, you know, a quarter of my phone all nice. day. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, so she says, I'll repeat myself here, but since you, yes, both of you are hilarious at times, I do listen to all parts of your episodes, including you talking about sports and the weather. I even looked up who the hell the Ravens are <laughs> just to know what you're talking uh, about. You just Fred, save Fred yourself the disappointment, too. Suzanne. <laughs> yeah, I hope not being from the U.S. counts as an excuse for not knowing them. But now I will, of course, root for them from afar, just so the two of you sound delighted rather than disappointed when you talk about Suzanne, them. Suzanne, I, I just can't encourage you enough not to follow the Ravens. They're, they're just they're going to break your heart. Um, don't 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 do it. Okay. <laughs> but if you have uh, to root for a football team, root for the Ravens, though, because you know. There, there are boys, for better or worse. Thanks for pointing me to your website where I found that you also covered the Be Foreigners. I quite liked season one. Can you really quickly answer the question if season two is worth watching as well? Probably yes, since you covered it, but still, would you recommend? And yeah, I definitely yeah, would recommend. Plus, question. it's only six, it's only six episodes. Yeah, easy, so. easy watch. It, it was really good. Um, but again, it's we're, you're going to end up at the same spot here at the end. You're just where they, they end it, and it, obviously there's a lot of story to tell, but I don't know if they're going to be able to tell it. Yeah, I mean, you have some concrete answers for sure, but right. anyway. Uh, BTW, I also really enjoy the What We're Watching segment and appreciate that you don't spoil anything. Well, we learned that the hard way. We had some people really take us, us to task for 
inadvertently spoiling stuff. So we learned our lessons. Uh, since this will probably not be my last feedback, rest assured that I'll never spoil anything either. Uh, but having seen all of 1899, including the interesting making of on Netflix, I am very much looking forward to your thoughts on the last episode. And I am so curious which show you guys will be covering next. Well, we will dramatically leave that for later. Uh, two more thoughts before I'll end for today. I discover your dark revisited episodes. I've listened to 316 to 318 so far, which are even better than your initial ones on season one. Well, thank you. I thought so too. Uh, dark is such a good show to watch. I think and I love hearing your findings and all the details you know. So your rewatch, very entertaining. Well, thank you. And lastly, I listened to Dave's brief viewer intelligence episode. I completely agree. And as I only afterwards noticed this piece is from 2014 already, unfortunately think all of what you said is still valid today. Probably even more CEG 1899. I therefore also liked your comment on Manifest. A friend of mine convinced me to start watching it last year. And on paper, this is a show I thought I'd like, but I got stuck towards the end of season one and I'm still not hooked and can't bring myself to continue. So your remark was very fitting in lay the whole topic of which shows are canceled and which get renewed for whatever reason. Thanks for reading and keep up the good work. Have a nice Sunday, Suzanne. Well, thank you, Suzanne. That was Awesome feedback. Yeah, and, and Fred brings up Manifest in his uh, feedback, which we'll listen to in a second. But, uh, you know, since Suzanne brings it up, I'll just say about Manifest, and I, I may be in the minority. Uh, you know, Michael covered it for Den of Geek, and I th think he liked it. I thought season one was very good. Season two was not bad. Season three was watchable. <laughs> season four for me was unwatchable. The, and uh, I just the adjective you used for each season became less and less impressive. So. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Anyway, let's hear what Fred's got for us and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for 1899 season one, episode eight, the season one finale and probably the series finale. Okay, coming shortly back to last week's podcast, it was about traveling in Europe and the USA. What I was trying to say, if I want to go to a meeting like we did for His Dark Materials, or we, they did, they traveled so much just to be at a gathering for a podcast, that would be the same if I would invite some people from Norway, from Germany, from Spain, and from France, and they all just come to the Netherlands and do a podcast here with me. That's the amount of traveling the feedback givers did just to get to North Carolina. And you were saying, well, visiting Florida would be a drive of 16 hours, Dave. And you both said, well, a drive of seven, eight hours is not that much. I think you Americans also have 24 hours in a day. So eight hours sitting in a car and driving is most of your awake time. Or does time go differently in the U.S.? I think that's a lot of driving, a whole day. But as said more often, the Netherlands is only 125 by 190 miles. So traveling much more than four hours is not possible. And the public transport network is very dense, so you don't have to take detours. So what am I watching? Well, I finished His Dark Materials. It was a story-wise good ending. There were some little sad elements in it, but I don't want to spoil too much about that. But in the sense of getting an end, getting a closure, it was really good. Furthermore, I started watching Legends of Tomorrow, and I actually don't know why. 
because this is not a very good series. I don't know if you watched it. It's a bit a combination of Timeless, which I like, and a bit of Magicians and the Librarians. So sometimes a little bit silly and over the top. I landed up at episode 10 of the first season and I actually don't know why. In episode 8, there is Melissa Roxburgh as a guest star, and I actually didn't know her. I got her a little bit confused with Natalia Dyer, who plays Nancy Wheeler in Stranger Things, but she's different, that's clear. And because I looked up this Melissa Roxburgh, I landed up watching the first episode of the 2018 started series Manifest. And to my big, big surprise, you were mentioning something in your last podcast about this series. I didn't know anything about it. I just landed up there and exactly in the same week, you are mentioning something about it, Dave. And that sounded not too good. Well, at the risk of offending Manifest fans out there, my God, Netflix brought Manifest back for a 20-episode fourth season. So uh, anyway, (laughs) I know what you're saying. Should I be warned? And I'm watching The Last of Us with Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, where you talked about last week, Wayne, and I do this because Solotalk Media, my other and very first favorite podcast, is doing this show. And Mark DeCote really played the game. He's very enthusiastic about how they transferred the game to a series. It's good enough for the game players and it's also good enough for people who don't know the game. But it's post-apocalyptic and I have a bit enough of post-apocalyptic and it's also about zombies, so uh, I'm not a fan of zombies either. But yeah, what do you do? I'm a fan of solo talk media, so I just watch it. Perhaps a little bit like 1899. Well, okay, sorry, I shouldn't make the comparison. Okay, let's go into the finale of 1899, which I watched with my wife almost two weeks ago, but had a quick look at it again just now. Some stuff was already gone in my brain, so I had to rewatch, and I didn't look forward to rewatching this. But on the other hand, I now understand some important quotes. One of them is, Mora says to Elliot in the very first scene, Sometimes we have to let things go because we can't keep them forever. Well, I think this is the essential thing about the simulation. One quote in the beginning is when Mora says, I thought it's all about me, but it isn't. It's about us all. And I think that's true when we've seen the end scene. There are more people who are in kind of stasis and in this simulation. And then we get the scenes with the people trying to get off the ship but they are blocked by these growing crystalline structures. It was very reminiscent, for instance, of the expanse, the so-called proto-molecule. I find it a quite awkward tool in 1899, as it doesn't belong here. Another quote is Elliot's grandfather saying, you think your mother is trapped in here, but that's not, you are. And of course that's right, because if Elliot is really dead, then the only place he exists is in this simulation. I get so annoyed by these syringes that go into your, well actually throat, in your esophagus or in your trachea, not in a blood vessel or a muscle or something. Really crazy. 
Okay, time's up for 1899 feedback. I'm really curious what you are going to do. The Last of Us wouldn't be bad, or the second season of Fringe, if you have enough of having the risk that a new series stops after one season. I would give this episode of 1899 an A- on its own, in the sense of revealing a lot of stuff, making stuff clear, and actually a B- based on that it took seven, eight episodes to get this far. So I will get on average, let's say on a B plus for this episode and I will go for a B minus for the whole series. It just was too annoying. I mean, being reluctant to watch this last episode a second time is of course a sign on the wall. I don't know if that's an English expression, but in Dutch it is. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Fred, time does operate differently it, in the United it States. It unquestionably does, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether that's good or bad, but it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, did you watch Legend, Legends of Tomorrow? I did. Uh, for the first season and change, maybe I watched... Maybe I watched the first two seasons, um, but it, it got to a point where they started doing these crossover shows, right? And so you would have had to have watched an episode of like Arrow and an episode of The Flash, an episode of Supergirl. And so when I just went to watch the next Legends of Tomorrow, I had no idea what was going on because I'd already dumped Arrow and The Flash. I had never watched Supergirl in the first place. So at that point, I'm just like, you know, I really haven't been very up on this show for a while now. And this, this is just the official moment where you know it's time to, time to end this thing. So I thought it was decent. I, you know, it was like one of those shows I started watching because I'm into like superhero shows. And then I just got to the point that um, I was just – I had too many shows that I was watching – and I wasn't really enjoying all of them. And so I started cutting and cutting and cutting. And then, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, when I really assessed my relationship with them, I'm like, you know what? I just, this show's just not that great. It's okay, but it's not that great. So, yeah. Fred, I'll just say you made it a lot further than I did. <laughs> and I guess leave it at that. And then uh, Wayne and I haven't really talked about this, but I'm just going to speak for myself that there's no chance that we'll be doing the last of us as our next show right. or any show ever. Well, you know, never, mm. never say never, but never say never, but right. um, you, you, you don't, you don't know. Maybe episode a thousand, you know, we might, we might pick it up, you know, okay. after, you know, uh, the, the Pedro Pascal wins his uh, 10th Oscar award or something like that. Or, um, <laughs> All right. Now, Fred Fred had all kinds of grades. I, start, I forgot to write them down. I think his series grade was a B minus. But uh, for me, I'm not going to penalize Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Odar for Netflix's mistake. So I'm giving the series an A. I, I thought it was just brilliant. And the fact that we're left hanging, I, I don't see as their fault. Well, so, it's... I, I, I'm not saying it's not their fault because I think Fred's uh, criticism of the show that it took too long to, you know, like they spent too much time in, you know, in exposition. And 
therefore people watched it, stopped watching it before it got to the really good part, which was the end. I think if more people got, well, obviously if more people watched it straight through to the end, it wouldn't have been canceled. Um, but unfortunately people, and it's, it's not even the fault of Baron Bodar and Yante Frisia because they did tell an effective story. Um, they have set up a really interesting, you know, like where they could go from here. It could be anyone's guess, but in today's day and age, let's be realistic, right? You can't, you know, bore the snot out of people for three episodes, having people walking around a ship in Victorian clothes. Yes. Edwardian 1899 walking around Edwardian clothes, uh, or Georgian maybe anyway, whatever old clothes and on a old ship and not having any other places where they're going and not really having any action and just having people like, you know, I just, it just took, I think too long to get off the ground. And for that, I would say, you know, they, they should, I guess they'll know better now, but you know, I, I, so I can't absolve them of all blame, but on the other hand, we often had said, right. That some of the best shows are slow burns. Uh, but unfortunately, in today's day and age, people do not have the time or the patience to stick with something. And if it doesn't immediately gratify, they reject it. So, well, uh, so I, I, I loved the story that they told for the most part. But I also understand that in the you know in, in how TV goes nowadays, you got to you got to hook people earlier. And you got to you know, keep them in their seats. So it sounds like you're just avoiding giving it a grade. Well, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just taking a really long time to, to get to it. That's why I, I'm stuck between like an A minus B plus. I can't give it a full A I, I, and I won't uh, okay. because I do agree with Fred that it just took a little too long to, to, to get going. And maybe if they had gotten it going a little bit, that the, the cool stuff that was happening at the end, like people would get to that because they, they stuck with the show. Okay. Well, I can, I can, list your grade as a minus b plus okay right. sounds good all right um you want to tell everybody what we're well, going to do just a couple of things about yeah, fred's feedback so one thing i thought about listening to his feedback because he he said how like if you travel like eight hours in the states right like that's like traveling from here to like buffalo or to um probably like somewhere in south carolina or out to like tennessee and basically you're, the people might speak a little bit different, but it's the same place, right? You haven't, you're, you're in, it's the same culture. The uh, people speak the same language. Everything's pretty much the same. Uh, even going to, to Florida this, this weekend, you know, Florida is basically the same as Maryland, except uh, way more warm. But in, in Europe, you travel that, and you're going to a completely different place with a different culture, a different language, and everything. So I think that would might you know exacerbate the feeling that you're really far from home when you're not at you know like lengthwise, you're really not that far away. But it's just yeah, like, I misunderstood Fred's point from last week. Yeah, and he he clarified yeah. it this time. So um, know, it's just something I thought. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about the other stuff he talked about here already. So okay, yeah, we're good. All right. Now, uh, next week, we are going to do our annual show for Fred, and it is an ABC series from 2012 titled 666 Park Avenue. And I think by that 
numerical designation, you can have you have some idea of what might be in store for you. But what are we going to do next as a podcast? Dave, we are going to do Fringe Season 2. Yay! <laughs> All right. So More Anna Torv. Yep, yep. And Josh Jackson. Yep, right. And John Noble. Yes. So then after that, we're going to have to watch Last of Us, and then The Mighty Ducks, and then oh, uh, the... Um, yeah. Yeah. The 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 um, uh, Lord of the Rings movies. I'm on board, <laughs> or not. Right. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so uh, all right. Well, it's been a wild ride with 1899. Unfortunately, this is it, at least yeah. for the time being. It's a bummer. Yep. But that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about 1899, the peripheral. You know all the animosity you have towards streaming services like netflix check out the facebook group if you haven't sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us we'll be back next week to talk about fred's choice of the abc fantasy series pilot 666 park avenue but until then yeah dave i I know we're all upset about 1899 getting canceled and this being it for the series but you know honestly there's no reason to be afraid this isn't real (laughs) 